gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a soggy dog. Hey, welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I am your host, Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers. And I've seen a theme that has gone on in the dog world. That's what we talk about today. First, in the dog world, there is way too much bashing of each other and way too much uh, people talking down to each other. Try to be nice. If you have a business in the dog world, do yourself a huge favor. Talk about what you do and not try to rip down others. That is going to make you so much more successful. Now, the other theme I see is where new people to the sport I love are asking for help. One, again, be nice. You don't need to demean someone, even though it's the same question that's been asked over and over and over in a chat room or on a certain social media platform. It's a question they have. So look at it that way and try to be kind in how you answer and try to be an ambassador to our sport. The other thing I see is a lot of the advice I see people giving is cutting corners The concept of, well, you're not going to run competition, so don't worry about this. You're not going to hunt waterfowl, so don't worry about this. What I will do is I want to tell you a story about me and how I got involved in dogs and where those beautiful eyes looking at me out of my first dog took me in life. So I started with my first dog, and her name was Lily Bell. She was a chocolate Labrador retriever. Lily was a gift uh, for an upcoming wedding from uh, my future in-laws, and she was a wonderful dog. I wanted only a dog that I could take along when I scouted deer. Maybe it would go, uh, Lily would go and pick up a grouse after I shot one, but that those were my aspirations. I had no desire to do anything other than just have a dog that I could throw a ball for and take out in the woods when I was tromping around looking for deer and maybe let her let her pick a bird up. I used a book to train my dog that had the attitude that I'm seeing over and over in the world in, or in the dog world and that is don't worry about doing x or finishing you know your retrieves if your dog brings it to you that's good enough. You're not going to run competition. Don't worry about working on different protocols because, again, you're not going to run competition and you never, uh, you don't have to worry about that. I will tell you that to train a dog properly, the first six weeks are basically working on obedience, your conditioned retrieve, and your e-collar work. And in my opinion, all of those need to be done because they are not a separate instance where you can remove one of them. They all work together to build a base on your dog. They all work together to build the foundation for your hunting 
and for your dog and even for your dog for obedience. So you need to finish those steps. Conditioned retrieve, sometimes called force fetch, sometimes called uh, trained retrieve. I call it conditioned retrieve because you're conditioning a dog how to properly hold and to pick up what you're telling them to pick up. There are several ways that you can work on that program, but I have seen many say, well, you don't need to do that because dogs will naturally retrieve. It is a product of conservation to have a dog that will finish to hand and drop when you tell them to drop. You don't want the game to get away. If you're out in South Dakota and you're pheasant hunting, you get a winged bird brought in, the dog drops it five feet from you, the bird is still lively and runs off. After 50 birds ran through the same area, your dog's not going to find the one specific bird. It can't track the one bird that has the injured wing. It's going to smell all the 50 pheasants. So again, you're losing that game. If you're out duck hunting, your dog drops a bird in the water, the duck dives, goes under. We've all had it happen where ducks dive and they go under and don't come back up. You've now, in essence, wasted that duck. You've, you, you harvested it by the technical term, but you don't need, you, you don't have the bird so that you can uh, clean them and eat them. So look at it that way that you should finish your training, finish your steps and don't cut corners because I will tell you, I did with my first dog. And ultimately, I wanted that dog that would just run competition or that would just uh, run around in the yard with me. And I ended up trying to do hunt tests. And uh, the first three hunt tests we went to, she flunked. And after that, I will say I had a dog that would have had to been completely retrained at three years old. So I made the decision that I would just make her my fun dog and move on to the next dog. Not everyone gets to have two dogs, three dogs, 25 dogs like I have now. But I wished I would have had someone that told me, hey, you know what? It might be more expedient and faster, but finish your steps, finish your training, do everything properly. If you have someone that is telling you to cut corners, don't listen to them. They're not helping you by cutting corners because dogs have so much ability. We need to have, I guess, higher standards and hopes for our dogs than most have. If you can see what these magnificent animals can do when they're under control after they went through proper training, you would be amazed. You would look at it and you would realize how much more your dog could offer and how much more fun you could have with that dog in the field and you'd really get hooked on the sport. So again, don't cut corners. So right now we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and talk about how I got into the dog world and started to build a kennel. All that and more coming up after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. So welcome back to the show. We're looking back now on what we just talked about, which was my first dog that I got. Her name was Lily Bell. And again, I wanted a dog that would fetch a ball. I ended up running, wanting, wanting to run hunt tests. And Lily was so far out of whack on her training because of me and the expectations I had of, had of her, but also because of a book I used that basically taught me that I should cut corners because I didn't need to worry about this, that, or the other thing. Again, never 
look at something as I only want a ball dog if you're gonna do training, train to a level, it won't take that much more time. And then if your life goes in a direction where you wanna run competition, where you eventually wanna put titles in your dog or you wanna hunt a dog in waterfowl and not just upland, you're in that position that the dog can succeed and you can really enjoy your time in the field more. We don't train when we're hunting. We train in the off season. And for a good gun dog, it takes me as a professional three months to train the dog. So keep that in mind when you're looking at starting your training. Don't take your dog out to have them, quote, learn how to hunt from your buddy's dog. Dogs are bred to hunt. What we are doing is we are honing their skills and teaching them that they hunt for us. If you have someone that is telling you that's how you teach them is let them run around like an idiot with their dog, you're going to have a dog that's not under control. So again, I got Lily. I wanted just a ball dog. Then I decided to have a couple of litters and ultimately made the decision that I was going to have a kennel when I retired. I was doing police work. I decided this will be great. I'm going to have this kennel. It's going to be something I can do in my retirement when I'm in my 50s. I'll just start adding a dog or two and eventually I'll get there. As fate had it, I got in a squat accident. It ended my career. I ended up at 33 years old looking around going, what am I going to do now? My career is over. I'm retired. Now I want to do something with the dogs. So I started keeping dogs and I started to get to the point where we were having several litters a year. One thing led to another. I ended up in television. Again, you never know where you're going to end up. So now I've got guys that after I was on Outdoor Wisconsin, I've got guys that asked me to do uh, part of their TV show with them. Ultimately, that didn't work out. I ended up with my own show called Sporting Dog Adventures, hence the name Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. And now I was talking to a huge audience about my love of dogs and having to make sure that I could have the dogs to a standard that was uh, respectable when I was still somewhat of a novice in training, but it was an opportunity that I grasped and I ran with. At a point, several years into that show, I actually hosted another TV show on dogs called the National Bird Dog Circuit. So now I'm hosting two shows. Again, I got a dog, just wanted a dog that I could take out do some scouting, and that would fetch a ball. Now I'm on two national TV shows. One is my own. I'm hosting the other. I've learned from some of the greatest trainers in the country. I've worked with many different people, and I've seen lots of different animals. And cutting corners would never get you to the point where your dog is going to be successful. I will tell you that it was a struggle where you're traveling and you're doing TV to get dogs so that they're constantly on, on their game. I've heard many critiques of my dogs that uh, they break uh, during during shows, and they did. It was tough. You started in uh, late August traveling, and you're done traveling in, in February where you're hunting that entire time, uh, sometimes 15 to 20 days a month. Dogs do get quite loose, so it was always stuff that I struggled with because you don't have time to work them on the road where you try to get them back into shape and get them so that they're completely under control and biddable. As they get older, they uh, they do get away with things, and when they're your favorite dog, like Rommel, uh, occasionally you would let, let him get away with some stuff too. But again, look back. We want to just have a dog that fetch a ball. Now I have two TV shows. Now I am growing my kennel. 
at a point, I learned enough from other trainers that I started doing my own dog training. I now train dogs. I have a kennel where we're selling 12 to 15 litters a year. And we also do dog boarding and obedience training. I've taken what was a passion and I've turned it into my job after an unfortunate circumstance having to retire from law enforcement. But a lot of the issues I had when I was training my own dogs and trying to, I guess, figure out my own program was because I was taught through the first book to cut corners. Don't cut corners. Put the time in. Make sure that you are in a position so that you can succeed. I don't care if you're going to run competition. I don't care if you are going to uh, upland hunt or waterfall hunt. They're all applicable to have your dog under control because, again, we don't train a dog to hunt. Dogs are trained to control. They're bred to hunt. So that pretty much puts us in a position so that we can uh, have the dog where they're going to succeed in the field. So I'm going to have a little bit more on this coming up after this uh, short, short break. So stay tuned for a little bit more on this after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Lastly, welcome back to the show. Lastly, let's talk about being a good ambassador to our sport, getting the ego out of it, and being a good mentor to people. I have talked to many people about uh, getting involved in the dog world as a business. Yes, are you helping competition? I guess in theory you are. But it is something that I had several really good people help me with. So I look at it as kind of passing it on. If you see someone that's struggling with something, don't go up and treat them like they're stupid. Talk to them about it in an educational way so you can help them. Ask them if they need help. Some people will say no, and that's fine. Some people are going to be of the opinion that you can cut a corner here or there, and that's fine too. But if you go up and you ask someone, hey, are you kind of struggling? Do you want some help? Probably 80-90% of those people are going to say yes. And we can learn so much more from each other as well as you can learn so much just in helping when you hear yourself talk. I've been training dogs now since I got my first dog in 98. So wasn't training a lot before then. I was just training my own. Uh, professionally training, I would say, really kicked it in, into gear uh, in the year probably 2012. Uh, 2010 to 2012, somewhere in that range where we started to really take more dogs in. We always had a few in. But I can tell you that all 90% of training in different programs is very similar. It's taking that training and finding a style for the application that works for you. The other thing is, whatever you're on a training program, there's always variations. I'm always changing something going into every year and using something so that I can work with the dogs and be more effective. I'd give you one, one example. Uh, in the last two years on conditioned retrieve or teaching your dog with, with uh, proper, proper retrieving and holding, I switched from all table work where I was using an ear pinch to now we do one week of ear pinch and then we go to all e-collar after that. I may get to a point where I do all e-collar. I don't know, but I've got a program now that's probably a hybrid 
slash bastardized version of several different training programs that work well for me. It helps me get the dogs so that they're in a position where they have a good condition to retrieve and they're not dropping until told to do so. It also, as a trainer, using an e-collar in that process puts me in a position where my clients are more successful because instead of having to actually lay hands on the dog and show them what you want them to do, they can give the dog a command and push a button when they take them home and the dog will, will comply. That works well too when you're using an e-collar with training. I feel uh, when the dog is out on distance, you don't have to go all the way to where the uh, item is. You can give your command and you can give a correction if they haven't picked it up. So that's where I have been as far as where I started and where I ended up. I will probably be in the, the, the dog breeding world, I would say, for another 25, 30 years. Uh, the dog training world, we'll see. I would say at least five more years at a point I will probably slow down and get to the point where I only train my own dogs. But if I would have not cut corners of my first dog, Lily, I would have been able to run her in hunt tests. And honestly, you look back at your dogs, Lily was a phenomenal animal. I actually kind of feel bad that she never got to run in those hunt tests. She, I don't, she never even got to waterfall hunt. So it was such that my failings as a trainer, because I did cut those corners, ended up putting her in a position where she couldn't succeed at different things. Not that she had a bad life. She loved she loved life and loved what she did. But I just wish that I wouldn't have cut corners. So that would be, I guess, my word of advice for people that are new in the sport. Work hard. Don't cut corners. Don't have ego. Ask for help and enjoy the sport. Enjoy being out in the field with your dogs and really love the sport that I have grown to love over the last two decades. Hey, thanks so much to listening for listening to uh, this week's show. We are going to have some uh, more great shows upcoming. I've got some great ideas, but if you have an idea of something you'd like to hear, go ahead and email me, sportingdogtv at gmail.com. I love getting feedback and ideas on what people would like to hear. Uh, one other favor I ask, if you can, whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it be Amazon, Pandora, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Anchor, if you could give us a like, five-star rating, follow our podcast, that helps make our podcast more visible. The more visible that our podcast is, the more people, hopefully, I will be able to touch and and, and spread the, uh, the joy of uh, dogs out into our community, and hopefully... Maybe we can stop our sport from contracting and make it grow. So I do appreciate your guys' time. Have a great weekend and God bless. Sporting dog adventures run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.